Christ Central, the scripture reading today comes to us from 1 Thessalonians chapter 2, verses 7 through 12. 1 Thessalonians chapter 2, verses 7 through 12. Let's give our full attention to this. But we were gentle among you like a nursing mother taking care of her own children. So, being affectionately desirous of you, we were ready to share with you not only the gospel of God, but also our own selves, because you had become very dear to us. For you remember, brothers, our labor and toil. We worked night and day that we may not be a burden to any of you while we proclaimed to you the gospel of God. You are witnesses, and God also, how holy and righteous and blameless was our conduct toward you believers. For you know how, like a father with his children, we exhorted each one of you and encouraged you and charged you to walk in a manner worthy of God who calls you into his own kingdom and glory. This is God's very word. Thanks be to God. God gives you and I, spiritual mothers, to help you come just as you are. In and through the church, God gives you spiritual moms to invite, open arms, welcome you in just as you are. God also gives you spiritual fathers so that you do not stay just as you are. We need both. We always need both for lives to be really changed. Apostle Paul knew of all the moral instruction and training and all the programs in both Greek and Jewish cultures, the roles and responsibilities of parenting, specifically maybe moms and dads in ancient cultures. But here the gospel, again, always goes far beyond. It's somewhat subversive, but it's more fulfilling than any of the program. Three things the gospel does. First, the gospel heals father wounds. Second, the gospel challenges fathers, how you father. Third, changes fathers. Three things. Heals our father wounds. Second, challenges fathers. Third, changes fathers so that we can become much more like our father who art in heaven. Heals father, wound, father wounds first. Tons of baggage here, right? I mean, I, as your pastor, know that one of our most popular holidays and one of the most impacted Sundays is Mother's Day. Oh, yeah, pretty close to Easter and Christmas, but Mother's Day is way up there. How do you feel about Mother's Day? Just recalling how this most recent Mother's Day was. And then can I ask you honestly right now, just as, how do you feel about today? How do you feel about Father's Day? All kinds of dads, and I don't mean to categorize each one, not at all, but just in some generalities, you know, you have the militant, some of you had very authoritative, domineering, bullying, and they were never approving. They were never inviting militant, militant dads. Some of you had always appeasing, approving type of dads, but they never disciplined you. A lot of dads were indifferent or absent. Uh, physically, they just left, abandoned your home. Or they were absent with time and energy, emotionally, psychologically, spiritually. They were really never around at all of your activities or games. 
For some of you, you were absent from your dad. You've spent the rest of your life trying to running away from, wanting nothing to do with your dad. Uh, do you remember Kobe Bryant's funeral? It struck me how there was no mention of his dad who happened to name Kobe, Kobe. And then there are a few of you, and I do know that it's only a few. You had awesome dads. You know, I was growing up, and it dawned on me much later that this was not the norm. I had a fairly pretty awesome dad. I think you know that as you've gotten to know me a little bit better. How many times I've referred to him, but let me tell you something today. He was far from perfect. He was a very broken, flawed man. Uh, he was a church-going affectionate, dedicated father, but he had not yet converted to Christ. The gospel had made no sense to him. He was just a very cultural conforming person. And I remember that during the summer, I was supposed to keep this daily summer schedule. Uh, I was supposed to study a certain amount and he would check up on that. And I forget all the details, but I had failed and not accomplished what I was supposed to do during the summer. And out of the blue, he gut punched me. He punched me right in the stomach. And, of course, the physical pain went away, but I recall this this week preparing for the sermon. The memory of that still kind of stings. It does not go away. And from that young age, when the American dream had been the driving obsession of my father, when he did come to Jesus Christ with personal repentance and faith, wow, he changed. Because the American dream turned into Bible study and discipleship at home. He changed as a husband to my mom. And the greatest differences I can see was there was this eminent, pervasive humility about him. I mean, he would just be able to apologize and say sorry for things that he had never said sorry before. And I saw him on his knees praying morning and night. Oh, my dear friends, I know that so many of you have a hard time trusting, honoring, submitting, obeying, or feeling much, if at all, from and with God your Father because of your experience with your earthly father. So I want to tell you this morning, this is why God gave up his own son, Jesus Christ, to forgive you and me of all of our sins so that you can forgive your earthly father. My friend, God gave up his own son, Christ Jesus, sacrificed him so that he could become your father who art in heaven. Pastor, you have no idea what track you're going right now. I wish you would change topic right here. You don't know what my dad did to me. In fact, I've never even reported it to anyone in my life. You don't know what your, my dad is still doing to me, how he still controls and haunts me. And you're right, my dear friend, I have no idea, but God does. God does know all of your family history, all of your memories, and even what is going on into this day. And so I want to tell you, God gave up his own beloved son so that he can become your ultimate Father who is in heaven. This kind of talk was unprecedented. Any religion, any culture, any philosophy until Jesus arrived. 
And when Jesus arrived and he ended up at a cross and he started to cry out, my God, why have you forsaken me? At the cross, do you see what is happening to Jesus? Why have you forsaken me? Why are you turning from me? I don't deserve any of this. And right there, cosmically, historically, that was the all-time father wound. And my friends, when the Holy Spirit begins to impress upon your heart that Jesus was forsaken and he was left unforgiven to forgive you, he was unforgiven, left for dead on the cross, forsaken by his own father. When you see that he did that to forgive you, you can forgive your earthly father. You can be set free from your earthly father so that now you can know and experience your father who art in heaven. Only the gospel can let you forgive and set you free. As an ESPN special around the same time, as The Last Dance, which is a whole chronicle of the dynasty of the Chicago Bulls as professional basketball. I watched this other show on Dennis Rodman, who some people would argue was one of the greatest rebounders or defenders all time in professional basketball. But his biography, his story is, uh, it's almost so um, fantastical. It's so crazy. It's like, it cannot not be true. And here's what I got from his little story. His father wounds are just on public display. And I do wonder and ask you, would you do any better? Would I do any better in his shoes? My dad is Raman grew up an awkward loner. His dad left him very early. His mom worked three jobs. And his mom was known to be incapable of showing any affection. But Dennis uh, was a freakish athlete. And he lived literally the prodigal life that Jesus describes in Luke chapter 15. Women, wine, wealth. He was surrounded by a lot of parties because he expensed those parties. And at the height of his success as a soon-to-be Hall of Fame basketball player winning championship after championship with the Chicago Bulls, at the height of his success, his dad, Philander, reappeared in his life after having fathered 25 children in the Philippines. I can't make this up. And then some of the rest of Dennis Rodman's story gets crazier. Kim Jong-un of North Korea, who is an avid basketball fan, invited Dennis Rodman to his country, but Rodman's agent didn't even know the difference between North and South, so he went. And in some crazy, unfathomable way, Chris Connolly, an ESPN writer, credits Dennis Rodman for the first time that a U.S. sitting president met with the North Korean leader, which happened in 2018. He credits that somehow to Dennis Rodman. Now, the end of the documentary, Dennis Rodman says this. I am one of the top 10 people on the planet that you can recognize. I should be happy, right? And then, of course, he just completely breaks down. Father wounds, father wounds. God gave up his own son to heal your father's wounds so that you can forgive your earthly father. Second, the gospel challenges fathers. Challenges all fathers. Look at verse 12. I read it again for us. 
we exhorted each one of you and encouraged you and charged you to walk in a manner worthy of God who calls you into his own kingdom and glory. Three verbs, three action words, exhorted towards some action, encourage, which we talked about two weeks ago. It's the breathe in courage into your life. Third, charged, charged. Yes, motivated, compelled. And if you take these three words together, I'm not going to parse each one, you take them together along a string, it conveys how there is a vision of glory up ahead. You take them together, there's a vision of glory, and there's a voice for you and I to get there, to reach that goal. And just like God, who sees this mesmerizing, beautiful <laughs> beauty uh, in the making, even in a beast. And God not only sees the beauty that you're becoming, but speaks in such ways, cheering you, encouraging you, reminding you, convicting you, picking you back up all along the way. And so too, earthly fathers ought to behave and do the same. You and I need both the gentleness of mothers, if you remember, and there might be nothing stronger than gentleness. Please do not think that's a weak word or a weak quality. You and I both need the gentleness of mothers and the glory of fathers. Can I ask you, how would you like it if four chapter, chapter 4 verses 2 and 3 began this letter or any letter? This is what we instructed you. Remember what we instructed you according to the Lord Jesus Christ. This is the will of God that you abstain from all sexual immorality. How would you respond if it, the letter began this way? Why didn't Apostle Paul begin this way? Because he knew pure instruction, pure moralism, might be cutting and counterproductive and just offensive otherwise. He challenges fathers here because he wants fathers to be godly fathers along with mothers being godly mothers. And when you put them together, lives change. Lives change, not just at home, but in the church and throughout all of society. Now, so for instance, if you're just paternal and not maternal, people will not change. They'll just get crushed. They'll just get overwhelmed. Look at Ephesians chapter 6, verse 4. Again, the same author instructs fathers directly. Ephesians chapter 6, verse 4. Fathers, do not provoke your children to anger, but bring them up in the discipline and instruction of the Lord. Provoke. Hey, dads. Hey, fellow dads. You had a hard day, a hard month. You're just coming home and you're picking fights. That's what provoke means. You don't want to hear the story, the perspective of your child or your spouse at all. You just interrupt. You're angry. You're bitter at life. That's what it means to provoke. Provoke is the opposite of exhort, encourage, and charge. It is the polar opposite of the way that God the Father fathers us. So Jesus, the Son, taught in Matthew chapter 7, do not judge. Don't go around judging people. And of course, people come around and say, oh, yes, that's what I hate about church people. These Christian people, they're always judging all the time. But you do know when you say, I don't like people who are judging all the time, you're judging right there at that moment. It's impossible to avoid judgment altogether. 
Judgment means you are discerning things. You're choosing this is better and that's not good. I mean, uh, wrong versus right. And it's an evaluation. You're taking a moral position. To avoid judgment is all impossible. So what does Jesus mean? Or what did he mean when he said don't judge? He means don't judge judgmentally. Don't do that judgmentally. Don't do it in a way that almost everybody does it. Now here's how you can tell if you're being judgmental. You're being too paternal without any gentleness of a mother. People can actually tell and feel you're wanting to hurt them. You're wanting to pay them back. You're wanting to break them. You're wanting to get back at them. They can tell. You're wanting to hurt, not help. To judge judgmentally is an effort where, whether you intend it or not, you're pushing people away and they're never coming closer to you. It's truth-telling without any loving. On the other hand, if you're only maternal without being paternal, um, if you're gentle, which is a strength, it's a fruit of the Spirit, but you don't have goals, like you're not going anywhere. There's no glory up ahead. And you're not exhorting, encouraging, and charging and try to make sure that we all get there. If you're only maternal without paternal, may I just suggest, you're really not after that person's growth and holiness and happiness and well-being at all. You're actually not loving that person. You are more busy taking care of loving yourself. You want to be admired? You want to be approved. You want to be known as a great parent by your own kids. You want to win the Parent of the Decade Award. But this is not what Apostle Paul does in his ministry. This will spoil your child. Whereas if you're paternal without maternal, it might break your child for good. If you're maternal without being paternal, your child will stay immature, unformed. And they actually won't make it too well in life. Listen, there's a huge distinction. Some of you right now are way too afraid. You want your children and everybody else always to be happy with you. That's just your main driving force in life. You just want always pe people to always be happy with you. This is not Apostle Paul. Pay attention to his letter. Pay attention to his letter. Look at chapter 2, verse 4. I'll read it for us. But just as we have been approved by God to be entrusted with the gospel, so we speak not to please men, but to please God who tests our hearts. Ironically, you will misshape. You will spoil and stunt your child if your main desire is to just please and have your child please with you. But here's the distinction of the Apostle Paul. Paul, Paul couldn't bear it if his children, so to speak, his spiritual children were unformed, not mature, if they would be unhappy in all of life. That would drive him crazy. But he could bear if they were unhappy with him. You know that you're too maternal without being paternal at all. If your main concern is just, oh, my children are not happy with me. That's all that counts. No, 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 no. Please have the gospel check and challenge that. Truth in love. Truth without loving, no. Loving without truth telling, no. Truth in love is Paul's delivery, leadership, writing, speaking, style. Maternal and paternal in a happy harmony. We need both or else lives will not be changed. Oh, look at verse 10. You are witnesses and God also 
how holy and righteous and blameless was our conduct toward you believers. This changes lives. Holy, blameless, righteous, combination, maternal and paternal, conduct or parenting in the home and in the church. Now, why don't we do this well? What is getting in the way? Why can't we just do this? Because it's supernatural. This is supernatural, my friends. If you're beating up yourselves right now and say, oh, gosh, I just need more maternal aspects. I need more paternal. Oh, I better go home and make sure. If you just do that, you turn around. You might have even grown up your entire life at church, and that's all you do. From sermons, you just go, I better just do this better. I better make sure I got to try harder. You're not going to get there. So the third, the gospel changes fathers. The gospel doesn't just challenge and tell you what to do. The gospel changes you from the inside out so that you can do what you ought to do. So how can you, Father, like this? How is it possible? How did Apostle Paul do it himself? Look at verse 12. Verse 12. We exhorted each one of you and encouraged you and charged you to walk in a manner worthy of God who calls you into his own kingdom and glory. Worthy of. Oh, there's the ginormous clue. Do you know how Paul parented the church? His children in the faith? He just turned around and did what God did to him. Worthy of, reflective of, mirroring. He just turned around how God fathered him. And how did God father Paul? And how does God father you and I? Three ways, three ways. Real quick, first. God fills you with security in your sonship. If you are a child of God, God wants you to know that for sure. God wants you to be certain, very confident in your status as a son and daughter of God. You see, for Jesus Christ, his identity was never gained, it was given. Jesus Christ never had trouble about thinking about, well, who am I? Where do I come from? What am I here for? All of that was received. Jesus never lived one split moment trying to prove or present or perform in such a way that would attain sonship. Remember the time when Jesus was baptized, a voice came booming out of heaven. This is my beloved son in whom I am well pleased. This is my beloved son in whom I am well pleased. And please pay attention. For those of you who hear that and say, oh, how magnificent for him. How monumental. I would die to hear that from God myself. Oh, here's what Apostle Paul says in Galatians chapter 4, verse 6. And God has sent the spirit of his son to cry out in our hearts, Abba, Father, the same author says he sent the spirit of Jesus Christ, his own son, to erupt with the cry, Abba, Father, Abba, Father, Abba, Father. You know what this means? This means that is supposed to be the default, normative, dominant, regular identity, security, assurance for every child of God. God does not just want you to know these things. 
God wants you to be sure of these things. Security in your sonship. How can you be so secure in your sonship? God gave up his own son so that everything Jesus deserves, you get. Everything you and I deserve, Jesus got. And if you are not secure in your sonship, let me just talk to my fellow brothers, older and younger men who I love. Listen to me close. If you are not secure in your sonship, your lack of identity, your lack of value and worth, your ego is always going to get in the way. I'll tell you right now, where I've lost it the most, where I've lost my temper or I've lost all self-control, it's because of my ego. It's my manhood. It was my significance, which I felt was being completely crucified or taken away from me. <laughs> Men, you will hurt people as long as you're hurting and not healing. You will not humble yourself if you're always still trying to prove yourself. Uh, Reverend Robbie Shank, Rob Shank, sorry, the president of the Dietrich Bonhoeffer Institute, interviewed by Christiana Amanpour on CNN. Wow, I thought this was marvelous. And he was talking about how he learned to get himself out of the way. Quote, it started with facing myself, and that was a, and that was terrifying thing to do. To listen to my own words and to watch their effect on other people on the other person, instead of constantly listening so that I would feel better about myself, I started listening. Three ways that God the Father fathers us. Three ways first. He wants to make you secure. Security in your sonship. Second, God fathers his children up close and personal. God does not do it inaccessibly. He does not do it from afar. He's not too busy, too distracted. He's not inscrutable. Like he's always mysterious. Like you never know what God is really thinking or feeling. No. And to make it safe for you and I as his children, do you know he does assume all the risks? By the way, if you ever want to make someone feel real safe, it's going to be unsafe for you. Because you're going to have to let it all come. You're going to have to open up and listen and say, Tell me how I can serve and love you better. Tell me what I have done wrong. But as you become unsafe, my friend, you are loving and fathering and making safe for that person. Personal risk and cost. Third, last one. How gracious and patient is God, our Father, with you? So the point of Christian life is not to project your earthly dad Avoid your earthly dad, reject your earthly dad, or syncretize the good parts and just throw away all the bad parts. Did you know that's actually not the point of your life? The point of your life is not to resemble or be so different from your earthly dad. That's not the gospel. That's not the gospel. You're aiming for the wrong thing, my friend. The gospel gives grace for sinners and is patient to change you into the image and to the likeness of Jesus Christ. So therefore, if the gospel meets you and gives you grace and patience, you can turn around and do the same. <laughs> Brett McCracken, one of the senior editors of the Gospel Coalition, loved what he observed recently. 
Quote, society is nearing a frightening tipping point. We have all but given up on the possibility of persuasion that we can collectively discover the truth, not just your truth and my truth, but if we give up on persuasion, all that's left is power. This is why politics has become a new religion. Far more important than making America great again is the task of making gentle persuasion great again. For what's at stake is bigger than, bigger than temporary political gain. What's at stake is truth itself. Listen to what McCracken, my brother, shared. Do you know what's at stake in this day and age? It's the truth itself. And do you know how you will persuade others and you yourself get persuaded by truth? Think about it. It's always been with grace and patience extended. I'll close with this. Fathering is foundational to all of society and all the world. See, how you and I father at home and how you and I father in the church. By the way, if you turn 40 or 50, instead of sulking because of the aging that is happening, there are plenty more opportunities now to father more ministry opportunities than ever before. And how you and I father at home and in the church does, of course, affect and change all of society. This does change all the world. Because those you father, those you father, and if you're doing it the way that God our Father has been fathering you, they can learn and appreciate authority. They can learn to trust and submit and obey and honor and respect laws and authorities at the same time. If the gospel, if the gospel is challenging and changing how we father, you and I, first and foremost, can be held accountable. We can humble ourselves and apologize. We can see the sinfulness and we can repent. And let the world see that the grace of God and the patience of God can change me first. Change fathers. And as the power of the gospel works in these ways, in the family and in the church, all of society can benefit and reap the blessings. You know, today you can listen all you want. Someone talking about this topic of spiritual mothering and spiritual fathering. You can admire it. You can applaud it. Applaud it but... Uh, you need someone in your life doing it with you. And here at Christ Central, we are committed and we've been thinking about how to provide moms and dads for you more accessibly, more personally, more formally for every single member because we do believe from the scriptures, lives do not change apart from God's gifts of moms and dads. To that end, May God raise up and change lives so that his kingdom come, thy will be done, and more and more of our friends will be able to come to say, our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Let me pray for us. Father God, I thank you for this word. And I thank you that you showed us an example through Apostle Paul of how to change lives, which is both maternal and paternal, blameless and righteous and holy in our conduct. 
Oh God, forgive us and continue to reshape us as your church. To love and serve people the way that you have loved on us. And I pray, oh God, for many who are suffering, crying out, those in need of hope, those in need of reconciliation, those in need of healing, especially from father wounds. Holy Spirit, would you carry this forth? Touch and change lives. God, we submit all of this into your hands. Thank you. Hear us. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen.